Well, good morning and welcome to One Life Community Church. My name is Greg. I'm one of the co-lead pastors here, and it is, uh, it is a delight to be able to be here with you, whether you're present with us here today or whether you're joining us online. We are just happy uh, and delighted that you have made, uh, made space and, and taken time to uh, join, uh, join with us. Um, I do want to point out if you're online, uh, our online platform at www.onelifeseattle.org live. It's got uh, online chat, easy access to our prayer team, some cool Bible tabs and some other things that are there just to help facilitate a great experience for you. Um, we are aware that there are people who are finding other ways through Facebook and YouTube and those are cool also. Uh, we're just happy that you're here with us today. Uh, before we move on, I do want to introduce some guests who are joining us this morning as we engage in a really cool partnership. We have our friends from New Hope Deaf uh, Church with us today, and I want to introduce my friend who's also the pastor of, of that church, and this is Paul Weebelhaus. Good morning. I wanted to show you some of... Uh, our sign language communication in church. This is a sign for the communica word communication. This is a sign for access. This is a sign for relationship. If you have no communication, you have no access. If you have no access, you have no relationship. If as a child you grew up, and as a child you are deaf, if your parents cannot communicate with you, how do you access that relationship with them? How do you access your school? If there is no steady communication there, how do you access it? What relationship with your education do you have? Why New Hope Deaf? Why are we here as a church? It's so people commun can communicate with, gain access to, and have a relationship with God. Because we know, heart and mind, to experience God's love. To have that opportunity to grow is vital. Another sign I'd like to show. If you've got a relationship, you can have two people on a peer-to-peer -peer relationship. They're equals. The relationship is one of people on an even footing. Pastor Greg, Pastor Rich, your board, you never, never once said that you are lesser. If you see how the hands went one above the other, they always had us on equal footing. In my experience as a pastor of a deaf church, that peer relationship is very rare. It does not happen often. You showed us your heart. Pastor Rich, Pastor Greg, you showed your heart. Your board showed theirs. You as a church showed your heart for God and God's heart to us. Thank you for that. I am so excited to be joining your church service today. And later this year, you will be able to join our church service and you will be able to see how a deaf church worships and preaches and things are a bit different. And that's a bit later, don't worry about that. So nobody has to panic today, don't worry, it will be fine, it will be beautiful, it'll be great. Okay, so thank you all again. And uh, thank you. And we're here to be of service to you as well. Thank you again.
Well, we are um, honored and very excited to be able to partner with you all and see how we can help each other move forward in, uh, in flourishing in God. So thank you for being willing to join us. Uh, let's pray. God, we give you great thanks for this day and for your presence in our lives. I pray that in the only, only the way you can, you would tune our hearts, that we would be moving uh, in, in your presence together um, and hearing from you clearly this morning and, and being able to know your presence. So be with us, God. Um, yeah, yeah, be with us in this space. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, this morning we are starting a new sermon series, and we're super stoked about it. It's called Embodied Presence, and it's going to take us up through Ash Wednesday in February, which is the beginning of Lent. And the series is going to draw together some of our values, some of our practices, um, and some of our expressions of faith along with our mission statement. So there's a lot of things kind of coming together here. And when we came up with our mission statement a, a while ago, we tried to have it be something that was memorable Uh, unique and simple. And so we decided our mission statement was just going to be our name, One Life Community Church. And the idea was that there's one life and there's this fullness of life in the one life of the triune God or the Trinity, right? And it's this way that God expresses love and the way that love exists between the three persons of the Trinity. And we also recognized that there's fullness of life being rooted in and serving in our neighborhoods or our communities, right? And so there's this fullness of life that exists in how we are in a place and how we serve in that place. And then lastly, we recognize that there was a fullness of life in being the church. And the way we said it was we are the church, nothing more and nothing less, And that there was something unique about that. And so the way we're going to work this series is that there's going to be three sermons for each one of those those words and those kind of themes. And so the first one is on one life, and it's going to be looking at relationship, then prayer, and then participation. Uh, And then uh, on community, we're going to look at place, what it means to be in a place, what it means to serve in a place. And then what does hospitality mean, both as a guest and as a host? Because we're going to find in Scripture both of those are really important. And then lastly, uh, looking at the church, what's the story? What does it mean to remember and tell the story? Uh, What does it mean to worship? And then what is missions or mission? What is is the, the purpose of the church. And so that's kind of how this whole series uh, is, is going to work. And these don't cover everything, uh, but we felt like this is what God was inviting us to, um, to be about and to participate in in this time, uh, in our cities, neighborhoods, schools, jobs, classrooms, grocery stores, our own homes, basically anywhere and everywhere we go. And when we were thinking about this and, and praying about it, what we felt like Uh, Not only is it a good time to look at these things, but we also have had a couple of visions from people in the community about uh, even like this image that Rich mentioned, that something about water and being in water and God's love being like that water and and reaching out and and sort of immersing ourselves in it. Um, And so this idea of embodiment or what it means to embody something came up. Now the word embody just means to be an expression of or give a tangible or visible form to. Now, again, these, these images that, that we had of stepping into water, um, 
I think were a unique way of, of getting at that and, and showing some of that. But I think they also tie uh, to um, some scripture verses, uh, and it's Joshua 3, 7 through 17. Um, and I don't think I have it in, uh, in my presentation, so I'm going to read it, um, and, um, and, and you can just follow along. Uh, so this is Joshua 3, 7 through 17. You know, I'm actually just going to tell the story. Uh, that'll, that'll be easier. And so Joshua is leading some people into the land, and um, they have to cross over this river that's at flood stage to get to the, to the land that God is inviting them into. And so he tells these priests, Joshua delivers this message to the priests, okay, you've got to get in the water, and once your feet are in the water, then you'll be able to cross. Right? So imagine... You're the priests, and you're going to be leading this movement to get to the other side. The, the river is at flood stage, which means at some points it can be almost a mile wide, impossible to cross. God could just say, you know what, I'll, just, I'll stop the water and you can go across. But he asks the people to put their feet in the water first. And so they do. They put their feet in the water, and it says the water, as it's flowing, it stops up on one side, and it just runs out on the other, and they're able to cross this river. And this, so there's this idea of the Israelites embodying a faith in such a way that allowed them to take that first step, and then God showed up just as was promised. Because in order to embody something, there needs to be intent, there needs to be purpose, and I think there either needs, I wrestled with the word. I, I wanted to say action, but sometimes um, an action is being still. And so I decided presence, so it needs to be intent, purpose, and presence. And this morning, we're going to start looking at, at, at how that plays itself out in this reality that many of us have experienced called the Trinity. What do we mean by the Trinity? When we look it up in the dictionary, there's two ways it's described, one with a lowercase t and one with an uppercase t. The lowercase t simply says it's a group of three. Okay. Now, if you're a comic book fan, you know that in the DC universe there's a trinity, and that is Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman. Now, if you're a Marvel Comics fan, they do it a little bit differently. They don't look at it so much in terms of individuals, but in terms of superhero teams. And so you have the Avengers, the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, and the X-Men, or maybe the Fantastic Four, depending on how old school you are about your comic books. Uh, or maybe you're really excited about the new Matrix movie, and we're talking about the character from the Matrix movie called Trinity. So in our culture, there's a definition for this word, a group of three, but then we also see it carries out into other areas. But the uppercase version of this word, Trinity, according to the dictionary, is the union of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, or Holy Spirit, in one Godhead, or the threefold personality of the one divine being. Okay, but what does that mean? Well, it means that God exists as three distinct persons, and yet as one complete being. God is three in one. And the three are equal in status. None of them tries to dominate over the others. But they all serve, support, encourage, and interact with the others. Now, I have a short clip um, from an art piece that I want to show you. 
um, that I, I've shown before, but I think it shows, it represents this kind of relational dynamic that I'm talking about really well. It's an artist named Daniel Wurzer, uh, and this piece is called, it's in French, and I'm going to try to do it justice, Pas de Deux. So here's that. So these are two pieces of fabric that are being blown around by a circle of fans. Um, and I have some things I've observed, but I'd be curious to ask any of you, what are some things you noticed in the way that fabric moved? And feel free to communicate and share however is best. Felt like the Spirit. Felt like the Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. Sometimes they're far apart. Sometimes they move together. There's one point where they're, and I can't, it might be a little further on, but they even get wrapped up around each other, but they continue to move. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, Lauren. It felt like a dancer. Dancer. Yep. Yep. And kind of like a grace and a, yeah. Yep. Excellent. Anything else? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes, you, you're exactly where I'm going. Good work. Yep, yeah, yeah. Anything else? Right, yeah, right, yeah. Mm -hmm. When it's interesting because I actually struggled uh, because there is one that he does with three sheets of fabric, um, but it's actually quite hard to see. Um, and, uh, but it's interesting that I did not see the, the air of the fans as part of the movement. And now I can look at it and say, oh no, we have these two pieces of fabric, but the wind is the, the spirit, right? Yeah, excellent. And Rich, you had something from online? Uh, one, uh, Aaron Kasper says, something like controlled chaos. Controlled chaos, yeah. And uh, Dave Lightgo said, complimentary of each other. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they talk about wheels inside wheels that somehow move, and yeah, very cool imagery. One last one says, at times they were moving so closely that I couldn't see there was two of them. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm just going to say all of you, thank you. I'm done for the day. That was awesome. No, but it, all that stuff is, is great, and that's exactly um, the things that I was thinking, right, that the way they moved and the spirit being present in that, in that imagery and how they sometimes feel like they get wrapped up. And I, I wondered at one point, what's going to happen? But they kept moving and then they separated apart again. And that's that relational dynamic of the Trinity, of the, the three-person God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, as they moved in perfect harmony with one another, never trying to take the spotlight, completely equal, yet completely individual. A verse that I think uh, highlights this that I, I want to share with you is uh, 1 John 4, 7 through 12. And it says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 
No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Now, there's a lot in that verse, but I want to kind of zoom in on uh, verse 8, which says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This phrase is not a description of an attribute of God. That would be God is loving. Nor is it a description of an action that God does because that would be God loves or God has loved. This is a statement of nature, a statement of essence. It is who God is. God is love. And that's how we know that God exists in this state of community, in a trinity, because love needs an other in order to be love. John here uh, doesn't go into some description. This is an identity word. It's a defining word. It's like saying, uh, Greg is human. It's not a character trait. It's entirely who God is. And when God created everything, God had existed in this state of love. And then after creating the cosmos, including humanity, including humankind, God expresses this love in that action, in his continuing action with humanity. We see in the Old Testament where God is forming covenants and promises with people that God keeps over and over. Even when humanity turns away from God and tries to do things without God. Not only does God work through humanity in the midst of that, but God also says, and I'm not just going to work through you like you're a tool of some kind, but I'm going to engage with you in a way that will be in a relationship and you're going to be changed. In Isaiah 1, 18, it says this, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. The imagery here is of sitting at a table with someone. Imagine, God invites people to sit at the table and reason together. Sitting at the table is a sign of hospitality that moves all the way to saying, we're on equal ground. The invitation is to bring all your issues questions, concerns, ideas, praises, whatever they are, bring them to the table and sit with God and reason together. Work them out. What God makes space like this? What God invites people to reason together? Gods are supposed to just demand. And then when they don't get what they want, they punish But this God says, come and sit with me, and we'll reason together. One of my favorite pieces of art is um, an icon done by a painter named uh, Andrei Rublev um, in the 15th century. Excuse me. And he's known uh, for this icon and for two churches in Russia, two Orthodox churches that he did some amazing painting on the inside of. This icon was adapted from an earlier piece of art that depicts in Genesis 18 where Abraham has this visit from these three strangers that turn out to be angels. Uh, And so he adapted that uh, imagery into a piece of art that explores the mystery of the Trinity. Now, uh, 
I want to take a moment and just sort of walk through some of the things about this icon and how it reflects some of the things we're talking about. Um, each of the persons in this image has something uh, about them that's common and something that is distinct. So something that shows their connectedness and something that shows how they're unique. One of the things you'll notice is that blue is a color that is present in each one of them. And blue is considered to be the color of divinity. So they have that in common. But if we look at each one of them, we're going to see something unique. So Jesus, who is in the middle, has these other pieces of clothing that are very earthly colors, right? depicting his divine and human nature. So this is the way the artist is trying to, to, to look at that. The Holy Spirit is wrapped in this green cloth that is associated with life, renewal, and growth. And that's what many people experience with the Holy Spirit, renewal, new life, and growth. And then the, the image of God the Father is wrapped in a garment that's depicted as being shimmering and kind of shifting between colors that highlights the mystery of God. And then we also have these interesting things going on in the background, right? Behind the character of the Spirit is this hill. And people say the image there is that um, just like Jesus had to ascend after his resurrection, humanity also has to follow Jesus, and it's an ascension. It's a moving upward. Others say it ties into the high places that Israel would worship at. The next one is a tree that's behind Jesus. And this tree is thought to be symbolic of both the tree, uh, the, the traditional language of Jesus being crucified was he's crucified on a tree. And we have songs that reference that. But it's also the idea, again, of new life, a place to rest in the shade of a tree. And so it's got both this idea of life and rest to it. And then lastly is this house that's behind the character of the Father. And that's seen to depict... Um, a house, a place to belong, a home, um, one that God is preparing, but one that God also extends to us even now. So with that, though, there are two things that I want you to think about from uh, that icon. The first is that they're eating together, and that's, again, a symbol of equality, life being shared together. There's a connectedness that exists between the members of the Trinity, and that connectedness is that love that we talked about. That alone is so important for today. Because many of us have been existing in a state of disconnectedness for certainly almost two years. But it was going on before that. Uh, a quote I saw, this is from 2001, was of just a high school student said uh, that they felt like they were beset with feelings of isolation mixed with the longing to be connected. But they spent a lot of their non-school time on the internet looking for a job, doing homework, and talking with friends. But they noted that talking with friends online wasn't the same as talking in person, being able to engage and be face-to-face -face with someone. A psychiatrist at the time, psychologist William Damon, says in 2001 that teens are isolated to an extent that has never been possible before. And that was 2001. We're 20 years in the future. And we know that it's gone even beyond that, not just for youth, but I think for everyone, everyone I feel like is experiencing increased levels of stress and anxiety caused by isolation and a sense of disconnection. One of my favorite songs is by a band called Toad the Wet Sprocket. 
And it has this line, and it says, you can take me down, you can show me your home. Not the place where you live, but the place where you belong. So many people right now not feeling that there's a place to belong. And it ties into a, an idea that this other guy, uh, Frederick Nietzsche, had. Um, he said, philosophy is really homesickness, the wish to be everywhere at home. That philosophy, this study of what it means to be human, what it means to be a part of this universe, was really about trying to find home. And again, so many of us feeling disconnected. And I'm grateful for the technology we have that allows us to be engaged this morning, right? We have people present here, but we also have people who are connected online. And that is fantastic, and I'm thankful for it every day. But I believe there's something missing. I believe being face-to-face, being in the same space with someone is so different. And so God, in the midst of that, exists in this eternal state of the most intimate connection of love a non-dominating always trying to highlight the others simultaneously giving and receiving and God moves into this sense of disconnection in that and invites us to participate in that I want to look again at this icon and if you can see Underneath the bowl of food that's in the middle there, there's this little rectangle box, right? And, and some people say that's the place where uh, it's an altar and that, that the, the elements that would be used in, in the altar activities and the altar rituals would be stored in there. Other people say it draws our eyes in and it draws us in internally to recognize that there's a space for us at this table, That there's a space for us when we're feeling isolated. There's a space for us when we're feeling disconnected. There's a space for us when we feel like uh, what author Pico Iyer says when he identifies what he calls the global soul, which he identifies with feelings of being loosed from time and space, having no strong sense of history, living under the burden of no home, and this phrase that I love, falling between the categories. That this relational and social God opens up an invitation to a spot at the table. It invites us to come into that depth and that intimacy. One author commenting on this uh, icon said, Come follow the Spirit up the hill of prayer. Come live in the shadow of the Son of God. Rest yourself beneath His tree of life. Come journey to the home prepared for you in the house of your father. The table is spread. The door is open. Come. Now, if you've been here for a little while, you've heard me tell this story. Uh, but again, it, it illustrates this well. Um, <clears throat> when I was two or three, um, whenever my mom or dad would come home, uh, the other one would greet them at the door with a hug and a kiss. And I would run up and I would wrap my arms around one parent's leg and the other parent's leg and I would shout, my house. I don't know exactly what I meant by that. Uh, but, and I don't remember doing it, but it was told that it happened enough that it was something that my parents remembered. And my thinking was, I saw love. 
I saw love happening and I wanted to live in that. I wanted to be in that relationship. And it didn't have to be in something that I called my house because it was love that I sought after as my home. It was that relationship that I saw lived out that I wanted to be dwelling in. And that's what we are invited to in God, whose nature and essence are love, to sit at the table, be part of the conversation, to both speak and listen, to belong. And we are invited to do that in our world too. That we are invited to embody this as we go. As we enter into this new year, and we're going to be celebrating Epiphany um, throughout the week. Uh, And by the way, if anyone wants to go with me on Epiphany on the 6th, um, I'm going to go jump into Lake Washington. It's it's an Eastern Orthodox, uh, in the Ukraine especially, they do this. They jump in cold water on Epiphany, and I was like, that sounds fantastic. So if you want to join me, write it on that connection card, and we will make it happen. But... But how do we embody this kind of love? Maybe by jumping in cold water, I don't know. But uh, how do we embody this kind of connectedness today in this world, in these days? And I hate to put it out there as a cliffhanger, but that's what the rest of this series is going to be about. It's sort of exploring what are the ways that we can embody this kind of love together in our communities, wherever we're at and whatever we're doing. And can we learn to love God and love our neighbors, um, even in these difficult times. Uh, With that, I want to invite the worship team back up. I want to let you know that our prayer team is going to be available for you. If you want prayer for anything, please don't hesitate to find them here in person or online. Um, Once I go through, I have a couple of questions I'm going to ask, then I'll pray. The worship team is going to play instrumentally for a few moments, just to give you some space to rest and to Think and ponder. Uh, If you want to respond to the questions I'm going to ask, that's fantastic. Um, We would love it if you would write those on those connection cards or you can text us or email us, however you want to get those to us. It's a great way for us to hear from you. It's how we hear how the Spirit's moving. But if you also just want to sit for a moment and allow the Spirit to move in your heart and mind and your own spirit, that's good also. Uh, And then we're going to close with a song and a benediction Uh, And then we'll move on. So I have just a few questions for us to reflect on this morning. One is, are you feeling connected to anything or anyone recently? You might, maybe it's a place, maybe it's a person, maybe it's, but is there anything or anyone that you're feeling connected to? If so, who or what are you feeling connected to? And if not, can you discern what is facilitating that disconnection? Um, Are you able to see? Maybe it's your own decision. Maybe Because there are times when it's appropriate to say, I have to put a boundary here for a little while, but but what I want to make sure is that we're not disconnecting from everything and, and everyone. So maybe there's a boundary in this one spot you need to put up, and that's appropriate, but but making sure that you still have some place of connection. Uh, And then lastly, what are the indicators you are using to discern whether you are connected or not? Is it how you feel? Is it... Do I notice I'm with people? Like, what, what things are you observing that give you um, that information? So, with that, I'm going to pray. Um, a reminder, prayer team's available. Uh, and again, if you just want to rest kind of at the table and, and allow yourself to, to reason out with God, whatever you need to, that's fine too. Um, but let's pray. God, I give you great thanks again for this day and your presence with us. Um, Lord, and, and, and if anything, I pray today we... 
we would go with a sense of knowing that we are not alone, that we are not disconnected, and we are not isolated. And Lord, I pray, though, that for those of us that are experiencing that, I pray that you would bring some people along that we can connect with. Um, Lord, that, that, that we desire not just to be connected with you, but also with the people around us. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help, uh, help foster that sense of connection with the people around us as well as with you. Um, yeah. Yeah, Lord. So, uh, again, thank you for this time. I ask that you bless it in Jesus' name. Amen.